But again, we're not having statewide lockdowns, we're not having citywide lockdowns, because people have gone and done what we asked them to do. Today we also learned about the absurdly titled Public Health and Wellbeing Amendment Bill, which could also see Victorians caught breaching health orders, including those who fail to wear a mask, thrown in jail for up to two years. This government, this Premier, is not just drunk on power, they are abusing it. I'm actually a two-spirit, neutroid, pan-gender penguin. And how they dare don't, you, people don't how dare you tell me I can't identify as that? Welcome everybody to the New Flesh Podcast, the podcast you deserve. My name is Jonathan Asher. With me is Ricky Allpark. Ricky, what is up? I'm here and I'm going to be talking Melbourne again. I thought you were going to say I'm queer. <laughs> and, and I was I'm like, here and I'm queer. Finally. Okay. Finally. <laughs> now. Okay. All right. Now, I have on. been criticised by some friends and family members that maybe I'm getting a little bit too obsessed by the situation here in Melbourne. But Not your wife? Um, maybe. <laughs> I was <like> your kid. <laughs> no, it's only a couple of people. So. <laughs> All yes. Right. No. Well, uh, some people have mentioned that uh, it's a bit much, but I have to talk about this particular th development here in Victoria, in the city of Melbourne. What's going on? So there are new proposed pandemic laws that are coming in that I think should fill every Victorian with dread, and that's why I'm talking about it here. So I'm talking about the Public Health and Wellbeing Amendment to the Pandemic Management Bill of uh, 2021. So basically, uh, this is an amendment to, uh, I guess, the emergency powers around um, health emergencies and that sort of thing. Um, so basically, this amendment to the pandemic management bill will put Daniel Andrews in the driver's seat to declare lockdowns uh, and jail people who break those lockdowns. And this uh, announcement came just four days after he said, and this is a direct quote from a press conference, we're not having statewide lockdowns, we're not having citywide lockdowns because people have gone and done what we've asked them to do. So just four days later... This uh, this amendment's popped up, but uh, what I don't I don't even understand that quote. I heard that quote that he said. I don't understand the quote. He says because of course people did what you said. You 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 made it unlawful. You fucking idiot. That's part of the spin that Daniel Andrews is is putting on now, which is you know congratulations, Victoria, you've done it. You've held in there. You've done such a great job. We've you know you've done what we've asked you to do. No, actually we've done what you forced us to do. This is you like know? your dominatrix, like taking out the ball gag and taking you out of the, the little horrible, you know, torture chamber she's got you and then saying, oh, you did so well, my beautiful baby boy. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, it's grim. And I I just hope people kind of see through that spin. I, I don't think they do, but they fucking well should, you know. And here is a little breakdown of what these new powers are going to are gonna give the government, okay? So they're, they're moving so that the... Um, so the health minister, not the chief health officer, would be the one making the COVID rules, okay? Uh, the premier, not the parliament, um, gets the authority to extend the powers. So currently what, uh, what Daniel Andrews has to do is he has to go to parliament and he has to basically apply for emergency powers and the parliament has to sign off on that. And then I, I think it's like a, a rolling three-month thing. Uh, yeah, exactly. What a drag. Um so what that essentially does is it gives him an indefinite period of emergency if he wants it, you know. 
Um, individuals could face fines of up to $90,000 for non-compliance to health orders, uh, $21,000 alone for failing to wear a face mask. Um, under these laws, citizens could be detained, arrested, uh, movement restricted. Uh, they could be forced to undergo medical examination, forced to get tested. And the, the reasons, some of the reasons why they state is, uh, if you're part of an existing group, so that um, that seems to target anti-vaxxers. So they, they can look at someone and go, well, your political view is that uh, vaccines shouldn't be mandated, therefore you're an anti-vaxxer, therefore, you know, we're going to have to uh, test you to see if you've got the virus. Uh, that's a little bit of a confusing one for me in the amendment that they can, can sort of go after people based on their... Uh, beliefs. Yeah, well, Peter, I watched the Peter Credlin report you sent, and she mentioned that they can include yeah political uh, beliefs or or personal beliefs, which is, you know, that's scary. That should seem scary to a lot of people because you know, um, you know, I mean, I know that the Orwell stuff is sort of people feel it's a bit played out. Perhaps we talk about Orwell too much, but you know, that really is like precognition stuff. You you. Mm. you you can't really pretend. You can't really know what's in someone's, you know, heart and mind. Not really. And and yeah. this, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's just it's just to me so outrageous that they're going mm. down that path. That's right. Yeah. 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 Just on fines again. Uh, companies that break break COVID rules will face a fine of up to four hundred twenty five thousand dollars. Um, this bill also gives the government the powers to retrospectively jail the recent anti-lockdown protesters for two years. Oh, great. Good. Um, good. Productive. Yeah, it just uh, just that that one there really strikes me as uh, Daniel Andrews, he's got this sort of spite streak to him, you know. It's like he's spiteful. That, 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 that is um, because it, those protests, for better or worse, they're, they're over. They're done with. Moving on. Let's move on with opening up and what happened happened and to be able to you know to sit back and say it's like yeah as you say spiteful it's like he's sitting back uh saying like he's really pissed off he's like how dare they how yeah. dare they yeah. go against me you know yeah and um so these measures can be applied even if there is a, only a, a potential for a pandemic he can also apply this even if there are no cases as well so Andrews needs the support of just three crossbench senators here. So uh, from the Reason Party, the Animal Justice Party, and the Greens. Oh, no. And uh, what I've heard is that it's already a done deal. I mean, those three crossbench senators uh, were all in on giving Andrews uh, emergency powers all through the pandemic. Um, what I don't get is why does he need these additional powers? You know, first of all, after saying on Friday that there'll no longer be any lockdowns, basically implying that we, we will never lock down again. Um, and the powers that he already had for the past two years are already extraordinary, you know, like he's been able to, to deploy Victoria's riot police in suburban streets, you know, using rubber bullets on protesters. Uh, there's been tens of millions of dollars in petty fines issued. Um, there have been restrictions that we've not even seen in wartime. There's been curfews. There's been radius limits on how far you can leave your house. Um, these sorts of powers are being entrenched and unchecked, and this just takes it even further. You know, I don't, I don't understand why he needs these additional powers. You know, absolutely, it's uh, it seems superfluous if you if you to believe what he's saying. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, 
and rather frighteningly, no one seems to care. That's right. Yeah, no one seems to care about it. And the other interesting thing is he's been developing this bill since March this year. So this is the first we've heard about it. Apparently, he's been quite secretive that they've been been doing this. But I feel like instead of working on this thing since March, how about you work on like, you know, you're, you're failing in, in, in contact tracing, you know, or you're, you're failing to get the vaccine rollout proper, you know, I mean, people, people just could not get booked in for a vaccine if, even if they wanted to, you know, and I had this big problem of trying to find, find a place where, where I could get vaccinated. And I, I even contemplated traveling four hours into regional Victoria just to get vaccinated because there was a clinic out there that had some vac, you know, some spare vaccines, which is, you know, fucking crazy, you know. Um, just on the issue of moving powers away from the chief health officer and to the health minister, I actually agree that the final stamp of approval on health orders should move away from the chief health officer because he or she is not an elected official and cannot be voted out. Uh, but I think the issue is that this legislation bypasses the representative democracy. Uh, it, it bypasses parliamentary scrutiny and leaves the sole power to, to one individual. Um, I, you know, I, I, throughout the pandemic, I thought, you know, who is this Brett Sutton guy to, to tell us what to do? You know, he's not been elected. He should just be providing his advice to the health minister and the health minister should be putting, uh, his job and his name on the line by rolling out these orders. You know, I think, um, governments in Australia have been, been willing to hide behind the, the the chief health officer and to just throw their hands up and say we're just following the advice you know it's not my fault you know don't you know don't vote me out at the next election it's not my fault we're just following the health advice you know um which is just it's just the wrong way to do things you know yes melbourne is in a real mess and as i say no one seems to care and you know it seems to be a perpetual um labor government in victoria uh what I don't understand about this particular thing is w presumably uh, Andrews is, is sort of acting like that, that Labor is going to be in power forever. Like these things he's enacting, would he be happy for the Liberals to have that same power? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. 20 years ago, we couldn't imagine the coronavirus. 20 years before that, we couldn't imagine um, the, the terrorism stuff, you know, like we couldn't, because if you remember 20 years ago, the issue was this sort of crazy laws about sedition. You weren't allowed to... Um, sort of gather in groups, you know what I mean? Like there were certain crazy uh, anti-terror laws that people brought in uh, and, and now that's sort of a bit passe. Now it's the coronavirus. Like is, is, would, is Daniel Andrews going to be happy when eventually, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take, when a Liberal government gets in in Victoria uh, with wielding this uh, elements of this legislation in ways that he hasn't really thought about? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, like mm. what, it's going to be the next thing. I don't know what it is, but it'll be the next thing. And they're going to use, just like in America, the way they're using the Patriot, Patriot Act to this day, mm. you know what I mean, to, to do whatever the fuck they want. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that they're just going to ram through without any forethought. And what's wrong with transparency? Why are they trying to hide? get back to parliament, publicize everything, make everything transparent? If you're so proud of what you're saying, like if you're so happy with that, that everyone, and everyone seems to support it, well, then just get it all out there in a way that people can understand and then put your name on it and we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Well, uh, Liberal uh, Senator Tim Smith, he he was talking to Virginia Trioli on ABC Radio Mornings here in Melbourne 
I think yesterday or the day before, and she was really attacked because he, his stance was, is we want the government to have to come back every 30 days to reapply for these emergency powers, every 30 days, you yep, know, excellent. and that the parliament has to look at it, the parliament assesses it, and, you know, all the elected people in parliament have to decide. And she, her response was, that's ridiculous. How in an emergency, how could you possibly ask to, to go in every 30 days and reapply? That's just not workable. That's just not going to happen. Well, I tell you what, like that's democracy. You know, that, that is how things should run because things will get out of control and, and power is going to be abused. And Virginia, it's not a, like, you know, I know it's not popular. But someone needs to keep a cool head to deal with the day that we don't need that shit anymore. So she's thinking about the height of the pandemic, like March yeah. last year or whatever, where it was chaos, you know, which is, and fair enough. But what about this era that we're ending, in, entering into now where it's endemic? You know, are we getting into that period like after the war that Lord Sumption was talking about uh, on that uh, podcast? He talked about how people had to, had to have ID cards for years after. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Maybe there should have been, <laughs> maybe there should have been some system where it was like, oh, you, you know, we're going to uh, you know, renew that every six months or whatever, and then eventually it'll be, it'll be, we won't renew it, you know, and and these powers every thirty days because we're going to get to the point where, uh, you know, we've got vaccines, we've got pills, we've got whatever whatever else uh, we we've got, we've got new. COVID sort of regulations here and there that, that we're sort of doing our best, but then we don't need the rubber bullets anymore. We don't need all that stuff. So we're going to sunset that, you know, because once you sign something, as I mentioned, the Patriot Act, once you make it, it's never going away. That bill has been rubber stamped by presidents left and right in, uh, in America. You know what I mean? Bang. Why the fuck wouldn't Obama want it? Bang. Done. Yeah. Where once these things are in, they're very hard to reel back. You know, once you give up certain freedoms, they're, you know, governments, they're very reluctant to give them back. But Matthew Guy, the opposition leader here in Victoria, has come out to say that if he is elected at the next uh, at the next election, which is happening in November next year, that he this will be the first thing he'll do. He'll repeal this. That's if it that's if yeah. it gets through. You told me about someone, not, not to talk about stuff we talked about off air, but you told me told, you told me you spoke to someone uh, about this issue, and they will they were just shrugging and saying, "I don't care about it." Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, that's shocking. Mm. That's truly shocking. Do you know what I mean? There are people uh, that have had such a bad time here in Victoria over the last two years that are considering moving. You know, and that this is the final straw. Like I've got another friend who is actually now looking for uh, where is she going to live that's not in Victoria? You know, what, what's she going to do in, in New, say, New South Wales, I think is probably where she, might, where she might end up. I think that's just a really sad position to be in that, um, that people feel so let down and so um, betrayed by, by the government, you know, that they will, they will seek another place to live, you know, like a like a fucking refugee or something, you know? And the thing is, like, we we pay for the politicians. They work for us, you know? They're supposed to be fulfilling a function for us, not the other way around, which is just seems like the way it's been running here in Victoria for the longest time, like, you know? Well, what's so weird is, forget forget the, the spectrum of left and right for a second. What's so, what's so weird about Melbourne is that it's, it's not Andrews's... Um, 
leftism because obviously I'm centre left, I identify centre left, so I should love all that. The problem is his authoritarianism. Mm. That's that's the problem. He's he's become sort of drunk on power, and it's the same in the West um, with with Mark McGowan, the other premier. Yeah, like the, these guys are obsessed with these new powers they have. They're obsessed with being on the telly. They're obsessed with being known and all the memes and mm. you know and yeah, it it becomes. Uh, I kind of want the um, the PM, whoever the fuck it is, to rein all these fucking people in. Yeah. And get and take back the power and and say you know what like you guys don't run the country <laughs> and you, we, you can't have mad you can't just make up mad dumb rules do you know what I mean so I I, I don't know I think I think the authoritarianism is is truly shocking and um, this is it just happened bit by bit and 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 it's so so strange that that Andrews gets to hold on to his sort of his veneer of of, of seeming like the person who cares the most. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like that because that, that's what that, that's what the left has always had is this idea. Oh, we care the most. Yeah, you know, we care the most. We're the caring party. The other people don't care. Yeah, we're keeping you safe. Yeah, and you go, well, I guess that's the thing. It's so strange. His actions, like the videos I've seen of, of like, as I say, people people with mental illness and you know, uh, you know, all sorts of people in in, in strife uh, just getting beaten up by the cops. Do you know what I mean? Roughed up and um and arrested and whatnot. People being dragged out of their homes. People being shot with rubber bullets. Um, massive fines. Lives destroyed. You know what I mean? Like I- I'm shocked that that this guy has been able to hold on to his uh, reputation as being someone who cares about people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the thing with a lot of those uh, anti lockdown protesters, like I get frustrated with with people that that just call them idiots or, you know, call them anti-vaxxers or, you know, uh, people that just want old, you know, they, they just want grannies to die, all that sort of shit. It's like there's such a lack of compassion for those people. If if you're willing to go out on the streets and basically battle riot police, like you must be in a really bad situation. You know, you're not sitting at home in your pajamas having a great time, like getting up late, you know, checking in with your Zoom meeting, doing a few emails. Oh, then I'll, you know, I might bake some muffins today. Oh, I'll come back to the computer. Like I might watch Squid Game later. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you know, it gives me a little bit more time to do this and that. And oh, isn't it great? I get to have get to have lunch with my wife every day and blah, blah, blah. You know, like so it's a nice little, just nice little holiday. It's good, it's good to get away. Sort of a bit of a staycation. Staycation, yeah, that's right. Staycation, you know. I mean, you're just assuming that everybody has this sort of comfortable managerial class job, and you, you know, middle class lifestyle. You, you know, you're pretty comfortable. You haven't lost your job. You're not losing any money. Like. You know, you've got all this extra time to, you know, get get down with the family, and you know, I mean, a lot of people don't have that, and and they're the kinds of people that are going to take to the streets because they're uh, in a really bad bad way. You know, I think we should be showing a little bit more compassion for people that that are struggling with these sorts of things. You know, well, we'll watch this space, Ricky. I don't think you're crazy. You know, uh, I think you're taking it seriously, and. It's like the body snatches, you know, and everyone else is just saying nothing to see here. <laughs> so, well, speaking of nothing to see here, um, I went on a bit of a uh, excursion on Friday, Freedom Friday, as it was last Friday here in Melbourne. It's the the day that you could finally move further out of your radius. Like there is no radius anymore, and um, 
you can go anywhere except regional. You can't go regional. You've got to stay in the metro. Well, let's not get carried so, away. Let's not get carried away there, you know. Anything could happen. Anything can happen out there in those regions. Uh, so I thought I would head out to the CBD and see what the vibe was on Freedom Friday, thinking it might be, um, I don't want to say party atmosphere, but at least uh, a bit of a buzz. And uh, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there was no buzz. No. Um, I I headed out with with my portable recorder and I tried to get uh, a sense of what was happening on the streets. I tried to interview a bunch of people. Didn't go so well, but I've created a little compilation here of my time out. I'm calling it Ricky's Day Out and uh, I'm going to play that for you now. Hey everybody, this is your boy Ricky coming at you from the Melbourne CBD. I'll be out and about today. Uh, chatting with a few people uh, to get their opinions on uh, Melbourne's Freedom Friday. Yeah, awesome. So it's, it's a great day today in Melbourne. It's nice and uh, sunny. Are you enjoying the weather? Absolutely. I mean, you couldn't ask for any better. What is it? 24, 25 today. Um, yeah. Been a long time coming, hasn't it? Well, yep. 262 days. Yep. Um, as you can tell, I'm originally from the UK. I've not been back there for a long time. But, yep. Uh, I'm just going to stay here and see the summer out now and enjoy it. Yep. So, are, are you trapped here in Australia? A little bit, yeah. In <laughs> some ways, it has felt that way. Yep. Um, but I might as well just see the summer out now. Yeah. Victorians have done really well. Yeah. And and how do you think uh, the Victorian government's fared? I guess compared to other governments in in Australia. Yeah. Good question. Um, to be honest, I think they were a bit slack and slow with the vaccine rollout in the first place. Probably should have gone down the the route of what the UK did. You know, gone hard and fast with the vaccine well, and then opened up earlier. Mm. Um, shame to see a lot of the hospitality has probably been hit hard by it, but I think compared to a lot of the economies around the world, Australia's always bounced back anyway. Yeah. So, in respect to that, I think I think Melbourne will do okay. Mm. One thing I've been frustrated by is that every state has kind of done their own thing. How do you see that situation? Do you think there should be a national approach? Well, it has been annoying. What I did was with. Uh, a few months ago I moved to Queensland and then um, it didn't quite work out for me up there so in respect to that I think they should have just done it as an Australian thing it's what does annoy me about this country a bit because it's the same like when you move there and say want to sell your car or something you should all have uh, one rule for all rather than having all these different rules that are just all mixed up uh, well it's a podcast called The New Flesh and uh, it's a Melbourne-based, well, I'm Melbourne-based and my co-host is Sydney-based and we sort of talk about current topics and cultural issues and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, um, sorry, just what kind of slant is the podcast? We'd like to say we're sort of centre-leftists, yeah. Okay, oh. For sure, yeah. So you're not like anti-lockdown? We have a critical view on the balance between lockdowns and civil liberties and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we're not, we're not advocating f- for, for letting it rip, so to speak, you know, you definitely think there should be measures in place. Yeah. I'm just happy. That's really all. I mean, I don't really have anything. Yeah. To say. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. No. Enjoy your day. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm out here on the corner of Collins Street and Swanson Street here in the heart of Melbourne, and I've got to say, it's fucking dead. Like, you know, I mean, there's a bit of bit of foot traffic, people milling around. Obviously, you can hear the trams and, and the traffic, uh, but overall, it's uh, it's quite a depressing sight, you know. Um, 
of course the homeless people are out in droves and you know there are a lot of places that are that are for lease that uh, have shut down so that's another depressing thing but um, I'm gonna push on and I'm gonna see if I can uh, find a few more people that uh, want to uh, answer a few questions about Freedom Friday my, my name is Ricky I run a podcast called the new flesh have you heard of us no. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just yeah. I'm out and about today, just getting a few reactions from people on the street, seeing yeah. how they're liking today and oh, yeah. Yeah, how they feel about it all. So enjoying today. Yeah, I feel like not much has really changed really though. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty good thing I would actually travel a little bit further. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, do you guys work or you study or? Uh, just working and studying both at the same time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How's, how's the lockdown sort of impacted that? You've been online mostly? Yeah, it's yeah. been online. It's actually been not too bad. You get to wake up a bit later. <laughs> yeah, I guess there are perks to uh, to everything, I guess, yeah. Um, yeah, I was talking to a few young people on my travels and I feel as though like young people have borne the brunt, I guess, of, of the lockdown measures more than, say, you know, other other older people that are maybe more established in careers and have already done their study and that sort of thing yeah. like do you think um do you think australia should sort of pay it up to the youth a little bit more and you know give thanks say thank you a bit yeah uh, i don't know I don't, I, don't, I don't really have any strong opinion no you haven't thought about it <laughs> no not really okay sure all right well enjoy your day guys it's a nice sunny one so uh yeah hopefully you guys have have lunch somewhere and have a good time Okay, so I'm walking down the iconic Burke Street Mall here in Melbourne. It's one of the main shopping precincts in the CBD. Um, it's dead, it's dead, just like most parts of the CBD I've travelled to today. Uh, retail is not, not yet open, so hospitality is open, but for some reason retail is not. So um, a lot of closed up shops, um, you know, it's people milling around a little bit, uh, having lunch and talking on their phones or scrolling on their phones, not much else is really happening. Uh, it's just a really weird vibe, you know, I just feel like it's kind of a pathetic, tired vibe. Um, it's hard to explain, but definitely not the vibrant city that uh, that I remember uh, pre-lockdown. Hi. Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah, you enjoying the sunshine? Hi, yeah, my name's Ricky, I run a podcast called The New Flesh Podcast. I'm just yep. out and about getting reactions to people on the streets, see what they think. I'm going to be the best to get. <laughs> Why's that? Mm -hmm. Oh, no reason. <laughs> no, no reason? I'm done. Alright, thank you. Okay, so I'm a bit further along here on Burke Street. And uh, I've noticed that the Kmart here has actually taken a lot of its clothing racks and put them out on the, si on the sidewalk here. and. Um, are doing outdoor retail, which is something that uh, the Andrews government uh, has said people can do. I never thought that uh, a company or a, or a store would, would go to the effort of doing this, but um, especially one as big as Kmart that has a big click and collect sort of uh, online shopping experience going on. So uh, it's, it's strange and there are quite a lot of people here perusing the wares that they have on sale. So. Really interesting. I'm going to see if I can uh, try and talk to some people. How you going? Yeah, good man. Very good. What are you up to? Oh, I just uh, had a look around. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't, couldn't imagine that Kmart would be doing the outdoor shopping thing. Yeah, no. I was sitting to the permit the other day. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. Cause you guys. Council, yeah. Sorry. You're from the council. No, uh, my name's Ricky. I run a podcast called The New Flesh. I'm just out and about today, just getting okay. a few reactions from people about yeah. Freedom Day and. Are you, you with know, that guy? 
No, I'm not with that guy. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> Howdy, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. Uh, how are you enjoying Freedom Day? Yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. We go outside and we, we have a queue on the what's name? Haircut. We're going to cut our hair. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Yeah, you get a haircut. Yeah, yeah it's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've had to learn how to cut my own hair. <laughs> no, not easy. <laughs> no, it's not, not really easy. for little ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, my three-year-old son, he won't stand still. <laughs> so you you doing some shopping here today, Kmart? Yeah, my wife is coming to shop. <laughs> So have you been? Have you able been able to uh, get your little one into childcare or anything during the pandemic? Or? No, because we are an international student here. Okay. Yeah, and we cannot because we don't have an essential work here. They said no, you can. You are not eligible to. Yeah. To. Yeah. Has that been tough? Yeah, it is. Yeah, especially when we have more because we have three, not only what this one. We have one in grade six and one in grade five, uh, four. And all the time home, especially school, you know, homeschooling, it's so hard home. Yes, yeah. definitely. And, and you've had to work from home at the same time? No, we, we don't have work because we are a sponsored students. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah students, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how about the study, though? That's been online. Yeah, yeah, that's right. My wife, she's doing her uh, PhD at Armite University, you know. Oh, excellent, great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm, that's... I, I'm already graduated from Melbourne Uni. What's she studying? Mine, science. Yeah. Yeah. And your wife? Uh, PhD in uh, statistics. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Yeah, well, uh, how long have you been in Australia for? Uh, since 2012. Okay, so you've been here for like the whole pandemic, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how do you think, how do you think Melbourne's sort of handled the COVID situation with yeah. restrictions? The good thing they are seeking for, for the, what's the name, for the safety for the people. That's good. But it's so tough for people to be in home all the time, especially at night. And we cannot, uh, especially for us, because we don't have a family here, you know, all the time being home and we cannot catching any people outside. Yeah, that's right. But what, what we have to do, this around the world, this pandemic, not only in Melbourne. Yeah. For sure. Have you been vaccinated? Yeah, double. Yeah, great, yeah. <laughs> Me and I, my wife. Too. Yeah, great. I had my second one this morning, actually. Really so, good. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks for your time. Thank you, sir. And yeah, enjoy your day. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, how are you? No, thank you. No? Okay. Hello, how are you? No. Who are you I run a podcast called The New Flesh. No? Just out and about, getting yeah, some yeah. reactions. People, yeah, they're enjoying no, 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 Freedom no. Friday. <laughs> All right, no worries. One thing I will say about trying to get people uh, to talk to me is uh, everyone's very reluctant to do so. Um, yeah, it's quite strange. Um, I'm trying to go for sort of an average Joe and a average Jane to, to get their opinions, you know, but uh, no one's really that interested in talking to me. Uh, this, is, this is hard work. I'm here at the iconic De Graves Lane in the Melbourne CBD. This is a sort of very um, hipster cafe strip where people come and uh, sort of sit in the laneways and have coffee and have some food. Uh, there are a bunch of places that are just boarded up and just aren't here anymore. Um, it's walking past a retail place that's now gone, and uh, there's, a few, there's a bunch of places that are, look like that they're still running, but they're closed. Um, 
yeah, again, very strange. This place is usually just pumping, you know. I don't know if it has anything to do with staffing issues or, or what, but um, yeah, a bit depressing to see again. Um, yeah, it's been, been tough to try and get people talking to me. Uh, everyone's really reluctant, but uh, I'll see how I go. Uh, it'd be nice to hear if, uh, yeah, what brought people out to the CBD, you know? So what did you make of my uh, time out on the streets, John? Well, it's, it's, it was, uh, you know, pretty much what I thought it was going to be. Um, like, you know, I'm surprised you were so shocked that, that you know, uh, people, that it was a downer. Do you know what I mean? Like it was never going to be good. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it just, it, it, it had everything. You had, there was suspicion of you. There was like you know, sort of annoyance, uh, uh, you know, that sounded like you had a really, it was really tough. <laughs> <laughs> it was really tough. No, no one, well, virtually no one was uh, prepared to talk to me. Uh, some people, well, there were a few people that were generous enough to, to chat with me and they were foreigners, actually a guy from the UK and another guy, I think was from somewhere in, in India. I thought that was really interesting that the new Australians, uh, you know, or, or, or uh, were the people to to talk to you, you know, whereas the the hot under the collar chick who's like, you know, what's your political slant? Yeah, she didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she didn't want to talk to me at all. What the fuck does that matter? Like, like you know, like yeah. And I tried, I tried really hard just to uh, get 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 people's ideas and responses, like. I, you know, I wasn't going out to attack anyone or or find people that love Dan Andrews or or to find people that were anti-vaxxers or anything they're like worried. that. Like they're worried. The younger people are worried that they're going to end up on a PragerU video. <laughs> yeah, probably. You know, or, yeah, a, or a Rebel yeah. News that Avi that Avi's going to be hiding behind a wall somewhere watching. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but he seems to get a lot of people talking to him. You know, like well, he's he's a lifer, man. Like, and we don't see what he doesn't put on there he would get a lot of knockbacks obviously yeah he's just for sure. a prolific and and so bold he doesn't give a fuck he was in mm. he was in the idf for goodness sakes he didn't give a fuck <laughs> yeah yeah i i gotta say it, it is very hard to approach people especially you know i approached people that that didn't look like they wanted to be approached as well you know because it's hard to tell because no one looked like they wanted to be approached you know everyone was head down scrolling in their phone or just um i don't know just like hanging around not with with no real purpose and and but melbourne's not i gotta be real Mel, melbourne's never been a warm city well it's had a buzz though oh it's had a buzz but it's not like it's not a tip of the hat how, how's your day sir well, I, I would argue that that is that is an Australian thing. Like I, I've heard criticisms from from travelers and tourists and and people that have come from other countries that it is it is very it's very hard to make friends in Australia. And it's like, where where did you live? And they're like, oh, Sydney and Melbourne. You go, well, come on, they're, they're big metropolitan cities. You're not going to not going to make any friends there. True, but but even uh, even the idea of of having a conversation with someone without an agenda. You know, so I, I once, this is years ago now, talked to a, a Chilean guy who uh, didn't know him at all, just met him in a cafe somewhere, just struck up a conversation with him. And he was saying that it's very hard just to do this, to have a conversation with someone in a cafe or something and, and that be that, you know, like Australians are very suspicious that 
that, you know, that person is going to want to get your phone number, want to be your friend, going to maybe want to date you or, you know, it's just a social interaction, you know, and that's a very European thing too, you know, like when I travel through Europe, France, Italy, like you could just go for a drink somewhere in the afternoon and chat to someone you didn't know and just leave it at that, you know. Mm. But it, it seems very hard to do that in Australia. We're, we're very suspicious of people that want to chat to us. And, and especially someone with a Zoom recorder asking them about, um, Daniel <laughs> True. But it is interesting that the, 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 you know, the guy from the UK and the, and the Indian guy, like they, maybe because they are new Australians and maybe they are a little bit more plugged into uh, the political situation here because maybe, you know, they've seen a different political situation in another country, you know, whether good or bad, and, and they can't help but compare those two, those two things. And, you know, I think... Australians are very apathetic, you know. Um, I don't know. I guess I had this romantic idea that people would at least be a bit upbeat, you know. Well, what's the fact? Tell me the fantasy of what you thought it was going to be. <laughs> Tell me. Well, I wanted it to be like Norway. Like Norway opened up and a it party. was like a fucking party, you know. <laughs> like, like, you know, you're walking down the street and there's like someone, the people are drinking steins and like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, you might even see a pair of titties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be my dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You saw, you know, you watch a couple of people having a fight, you know, like it's a bit of everything. <laughs> a bit of everything, yeah. Well, I think the government has something to do with that too. Like in Norway, the government was like, congratulations, it's over, let's go out, let's have a good time. Like they were sort of promoting uh, that that people should be feeling good. But but here in Australia and in, in, in Victoria, you know, they, they always announce an easing of restrictions, but it's never like right now, it's always 11.59 on a Thursday night or something, you know, so it's- I, I look- I. I admire what Norway did because it's ob for obvious reasons, but it's bad parenting. Like, like you know, um, <laughs> Melbourne, <Yeah. laughs> Melbourne. Although I despise what the government has done there, they have done uh, you know solid parenting, which means like just just totally putting you know pouring water over anyone's good time, like you know setting you know restrictions to ease at really dumb times that make yeah. that sort of nudge you towards not going out and getting on the beers so to speak mm. you know what i mean like so they're real and then 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 policing people's language that i love that melbourne several people uh, in in the in uh, up high were, were suggesting that it's not freedom day and it's like excuse me you don't get to tell me how to talk if i want to call uh, you know today the day of the fairy queen then that is the day like you don't get to tell me what i fucking call the day yeah do you know what i mean it's like well it's not freedom day it's not a freedom day come on don't you know and you go well you're kind of right because you're not giving us that much more than being able to leave our home yeah but it's yeah. not freedom day but if i want to call it that then fuck you i'm bummed out i need to come, do, don't do, cut it off there i've actually got right. part two oh there's up. more there's more. So, uh, yeah, in part two, I actually pinned down an interview with a guy in, in DeGraves Lane. There is a, a famous sort of – it's called The Soup Place, and uh, it's like a, a little cafe that, that sells soup. It does other stuff too. But I got an interview with the owner's dad there just randomly walking past. I asked if he'd want to chat, and we had a bit of a length, lengthy chat there. Uh, so I chat to him. And uh, I also, you, you won't hear this in the audio, but I did, I did chat to some buskers that I really wanted to, to get an interview with. 
just because I think the the uh, the music and entertainment sector has, has really uh, has really been affected by all this stuff, and I wanted to get there. Uh, their perspective on it and uh, again very suspicious and w- wanted to see the podcast the guys like show me the podcast <laughs> show me the podcast like you know he wanted to see it and so I had to open Did Apple Podcasts the, and- the icon and everything yeah, but I was trying to like scroll through it quickly so we couldn't get too many of the titles and stuff and you know so he wouldn't say that's team turf work confessional. <laughs> work confessional. Well, he actually he saw the work confessional. He was like, "What's that?" So, and again, you know, it's hard, you know, I'm not going to stand there and and explain every fucking episode to you, you know. It's like no. um, you know, and I and I chatted to him. I said one of the points I made is that uh w- whenever there's a disaster like a bushfire or a, a big weather event, like musicians come out in droves to donate their time for benefits and for fundraising. And, you know, we do that generously. And as soon as it's the other way around, uh, where, where, you know, when there's, where, when there's a situation that really affects us, like we're the last to get any sort of consideration financially, you know, any sort of help. And, you know, I did post him. I was like, I'd, I'd like to see a benefit where lawyers and architects get together and, you know, help out the, the music community. And he, he was very receptive to my sort of tongue in cheek idea there. He thought it was funny. But then at the same time, he was like, Oh, you weren't, you weren't recording that, were you? You know, so he seemed really concerned that, <laughs> <laughs> that like- the powers that be here in Melbourne might, might, you know, stop him from getting an arts grant or yeah, something. Yeah, but no, that's what it is, though, isn't it? It's like he clearly, he clearly also writes for, an online uh, review place, like he does reviews for something, and he also puts in arts council grants yeah, or whatever, yeah. and and he has to do like that's the thing, like you you know you know uh, that in in Australia, like it's so corrupt that if you say anything and, and it's out there, you're never getting funding whatsoever. Ever that's again. right, yeah, that's over, hundred yeah. percent over, mm. done. That's why yeah. I didn't want to speak to you. Well, here's my little part two. And you've got to Right, yes. Yep. And you struggle with money and to get people. Yep. And then you have two couples come up, one's double, the other's not. You've got to tell them to go away. Yeah, that's right. That's really, really hard. Yeah. Have you had much pushback from customers? People disappointed? Yeah, they understand it, but it's just so hard when you want them to come and sit down. But yeah. because of that rule, and they understand. Yeah. A lot of them have had one, so they're already booked into the second, obviously. That's right, yeah. And then, like everyone, if you ring up, they say, no, no, we can't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know personally I had a very hard time just trying to book in a vaccination. Yeah. yeah. So, it's not weird for the government to say, oh, just bring it forward, but you just can't because you've gone to a certain place. Yeah, yeah. I have also heard that that's created staffing issues as well for a lot of venues. Like, yeah. yeah so, I mean, you can't fully open. Do you think maybe the government should have should have made it a one vaccination? Like if you've had your first, you can go out. Traders went back on that, so it's like one rule for one, one rule for the others. But not only that, it was 
never really told two or three months ago that this is when we're going to open, this is what you're going to be required. Yeah. It's like making rules on the run. Mm. And I mean, if everyone knew three months ago that, right, we're going to open up at this particular time, mm. then they had time to yeah. get the set in yeah. like, How many people were honestly trying to do the right thing and they just couldn't get there? Yeah. So that's, that's really bad. I mean, the suburbs really held up a lot better than the inner city, but in, in here, we need to tick certain boxes, you know, and some of them have been ticked. We need international tourists to come in. We need domestic people to fly in for different events in Melbourne, whether it's on the banks or the football and all that. Yeah. Tennis to gone through, but also, because of the borders quite close, all the accommodation closed, you know. So, yeah. and the locals don't really come in. I mean, a few do, but so... And then we open up, and yet, like I said, you look at this clock down the end here, it's no full traffic because Myers isn't open. Yes, yeah. So, if we were to say it's got a, we all should open at the same time. Yeah. We open up two weeks early, but we really need those type of things so people come in from Myers and the Yeah, definitely. Crew, you know, because yeah. That's another box. So, most of our life has been on the trains. Yes, yeah. Really, I mean, Your, your place isn't huge here, like probably you fit with social distancing, what, 10 maybe, or yeah? But you can't really have too much staff on or make a lot of, you know, make money to pay rent if you can only put 10 people. So and you're not allowed to put tables and chairs out here. Yeah. So you're, really so you're not allowed to put anything on the on the footpath here? No, no. Yeah. The only reason we do sometimes because they're not open, we sit temporary over here, but this is it. Yes, yeah. I hope things work out. I hope, hope things uh, open up. And um, thanks so much for your time. And yeah, I hope, I hope the, everything works out for you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, mate. Cheers. the uh, State Library here in Melbourne and lots of people hanging out kind of enjoying the sun and having some food and there's actually some really good buskers doing some Irish jigs and sort of really up-tempo Irish music and um, which is really fantastic but um, I wanted to get an interview with those guys because I think musicians have been hit pretty hard by the pandemic and they were very reluctant to uh, to go on the record so that's kind of the story of my day here uh, it's been really tough to get to get people to talk to me. Like, you know, as soon as I see the microphone, the hand goes up and people walk away. So it's a really tough gig. I don't know how people do it. Um, but I've been here for I don't know four hours or something, and I think I might call it a day. Um, a bit tired of uh, getting rejected here. It's uh, it's awful. Um, <laughs> uh, I might I might have to send you out here, Astro, one day, or maybe you can do a, a similar thing in Sydney and see how you fare. Maybe you've just got the uh, common touch, I don't know. But uh, long live the new flesh.
All right, well, that was my day out uh, in the Melbourne CBD. Um, depressing. I need to pick me up. All right. How, how about some news? Sheila! Aloha, fellas. I need some news. What's been, hap- what's been happening in the world? So much. So much. Honestly, Daily Mail... I don't know what's going on over well, there. No, but you don't have, don't say you don't have to say the name like it's pejorative. You just say the news. Just say the news has been. <laughs> no, because I only look at the Daily Mail. That's what I mean. They've it's got the news. most outrageous <laughs> headlines. All right, here we go. Starting off, Spanish Secret Service injected King Juan Carlos with testosterone blockers to control his rampant sex drive says ex-police chief after claims Royal had 5,000 lovers. <laughs> That's a classic, classic tabloid style, you know, yeah. like it's Valentino. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, you know, 1,000 lovers. Virile. He's a virile man. Yeah, well, from what I can say, well, they said um, they gave him female hormones and um, that it was, they did it because it became a state problem. His sex drive became a state problem. Well, uh, you know, he's, again, another person who's met the moment. Like, I mean, that he really he should be given an, an award of courage for being, I don't know, like, no, given given the highest honor like a woman can get, like like woman of the year or something, you know, that's what we do now. <laughs> but I don't think he knew that they were giving it to him. Well, some of these kids they don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. I said it. That was very good. Um, <laughs> that was very. That was actually very good. Thanks very much. Ah, okay. Incredible moment. 12 zookeepers wrestle sex-obsessed 350-kilogram monster reptile named Kanye to alligator jail until he cools off and stops attacking other animals. More Kanye news. (laughs) Now, Kanye has come out of hibernation and he is so it's an alligator. So yeah, yeah, he's so horny that um, he's having a crack at everyone, and they've had to um, they've had to remove him. I love going to alligator jail. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, alligator jail sounds terrible. To they, they... Think, think about what he's done. You know, it sounds like the zookeepers need to give him a hand. Well. <laughs> You pig. Um, <laughs> one, of, one, of the, one of the quotes is, um, Kanye has made the other alligators very tense. He's a young bloke, full of testosterone, and he's raising havoc right now. So the best thing to do is send him to the naughty corner for some time out. So <laughs> Yes, well, you know, it is difficult when you're dealing with kind of actual dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next up, breastfeeding my boyfriend viewers left grimacing over sucking and squelching noises in bizarre Channel 4 documentary. Sorry, sorry. Let's stop right there. Yeah. Um, I got to ask the, all the people who objected, um, did, you, did you not read the TV guide properly? <laughs> <laughs> Is it not, did you not get what it says on the tin? Like if you don't yeah. do 
if I tune into breastfeeding my boyfriend and I don't get squelching and sucking, then I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I want my money back. Yeah, yeah that's right. I'm not paying my <laughs> license fee this year. Yeah, the, the opening line is breastfeeding my boyfriend viewers were left grimacing after hearing the sound of an adult man suckling milk from his partner's breast. <laughs> Reminds me of that scene in Me, Myself, myself and Irene. Irene. Yes, I knew it. Have you seen yes. that uh, that movie? Yeah. <laughs> really, you remember that bit when he's in the he's in the supermarket, and there's a woman with big big bazongas. Yeah, and um, it cuts to uh, Jim Carrey's character. He just appears and he's <laughs> down sucking her bosom. Yeah. What are you trying to remind me? No, I'm just reminding everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just I was going to say, of, oh, I remember that. I've yeah. seen all of those gross. Uh, you know, Freddie got fingered, all of those. I've seen them all. all right. um, okay. Mother stuns TikTok after revealing she made udder butter out of her own breast milk and fed it to her husband on toast while proudly describing it as her crowning achievement. <laughs> Did it taste good, though? Oh, I don't know. That's editorial. The Daily Mail doesn't do editorial like that. <laughs> okay. they, just print, they just give you the, just the facts, ma'am, okay? They, tell, they, they, tell, they can tell you that she made utter butter, uh, but they can't tell you whether it was a hit or not. Well, I, here, in a follow-up video, she and her husband tried the, to- uh, the butter on toast, and while he didn't mind it, she thought it kind of tastes like throw-up. Oh. Um, so this is a niche website. This is obviously <laughs> kink, yeah? Is this kink? <laughs> this <laughs> is the Daily Mail. Right. The okay. Daily kink. But those actions of what they're doing of taking things and making them, and it, but this is this is fetish website stuff. Uh, well, I mean, no, this is part of the brave new world of just, you know, doing. <laughs> so i got to get on board. What- yeah, you just okay. got to get on board. Is this, is this what the environmentalists want? Is this is this a milk product that vegans can get behind? Yeah, and this is this is just women being fucking women. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Hey, again, it reminds me of another movie in Borat when he goes <sighs> to when he goes to the White House to meet with some representative, and they do the sharing of the ceremonial cheese, and <sighs> the cheese is made from Borat's wife's tit. Oh. God. <laughs> I'm banishing Sasha Baron Cohen to jail. In other words, Perth, where he now lives. He does. I yeah. thought you were going to banish Ricky for his uh, <laughs> no, outrageous behaviour this no, morning. Nothing I can do about Ricky. Okay, moving okay. on. <laughs> Year 12 students who sparked outrage by dressing as Islamic terrorists, complete with headpieces and guns, to muck up day at a Catholic college won best dressed at the event well there's a lot i mean you know i mean to be if you can't tell me that the 9-11 bombers didn't sort of muck everything up then i don't know you know what's true so that they, they mucked it up on muck up day these guys dressed up as terrorists what's the, what i've made the connection you know oh i don't know i mean i <laughs> i honestly uh thought we were a little bit further along than this but um, they won the people have spoken <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just other misguided students. Right. So you don't believe in democratic uh, votes. You believe that uh, your side doesn't win, it's not. It, it's stolen. No, but they're not old enough to vote. I don't know what they're doing. All right. All right. No, it, does, it looks it's an, it's an extreme look. 
Um, I think if you can't go to jail for murder, then you don't know, you can't legally be held responsible for your idiotic choices. But yeah. where was where was this, sorry? This was just in Castle Hill uh, at the Gilroy Catholic College. This is in Australia? <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yes. I, I know. I, as I said, I thought we were, as a society, a little bit further along than this, but never mind. My my brother's year for Muck Up Day uh, got a, a male stripper to come to uh, the school's assembly. Right. That's great. That's, that's fucking good. awesome. That, that was huge. I'm surprised your brother hasn't been tracked down because that's a sexual crime now. You well, know, people to now be honest, say, I don't think he had anything to do with the booking of the strippers. Well, I'm not trying to put your brother on the dock. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just saying that nowadays if you bring a Chippendale to a school assembly <laughs> and say have at it, gyrate your hips you know, at, at those teachers and the kids, you know, I'm, I think that it would be like a Godzilla movie. People would be screaming, running, saying I'm triggered. Would, would, wouldn't, wouldn't that be acceptable now, though? I'm confused. I thought that would be... Oh, wait. That would be good. Depends. That would be good now, but not back then. No, I don't know. It depends on who's who's getting horny and who's not. Do you right. Know what I mean? So if the guys are getting horny, it's good. No. No? No, male sexual response is generally frowned upon. So it's only if the girls are getting... Oh, if it's empowering and it's sex work, then maybe they can get hot. But if they're not... But if there's no sex work involved or, or if it's not like, I don't know, fatties or something, then I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to Oh, doing. my God. I can't believe you're saying fatties. If it was a fat male stripper. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. That, that would be all right. Yeah, okay. that'd, that'd be hot. I'm kind of into fat guys. So uh, larger boned gentlemen I'm into. Well, yeah, you live in the right place. Melbourne is the dad body uh, capital of Australia. I'm into it. Um, <laughs> if, I am. I'm, I, I used to love Chris, uh, Chris Penn. I used uh, to yes. love him. Yeah, a disgraceful body. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, for our muck-up day, um, our U12s um, burnt giant dicks um, into the ovals with weed killer. Mm, classic. That's amazing. I, that joke will never get old. I'm, I think I think cavemen probably did it, like, you know, put rocks down in the shape of dicks and then laughed like it was pointing towards one of their mates. <laughs> And I think it'll be funny in 2,000 years, aliens will come down and they'll see crop circles that we've put there of giant dicks. It will never go out of style. Okay? Well, I thought you were going to mean like they're going to do pictures of their like three-headed dicks or something that's still, <laughs> that's still going to be funny, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That and they'll all be in their ship laughing their asses off they in the, with the crop circles just going, oh, my dick, yes. look at it. Maybe that's what the crop circles are. That's Look what I just it, thought in about. In its three-headed glory, you know. I just thought about that. Ricky said it. Like, but what if yeah. you discovered that crop circles all were just, you know, they're weird-looking dicks? Could be. Spirals <laughs> and diamonds. <laughs> and... <laughs> all right, moving on from the dicks quick. For your on. pleasure, for the lady's pleasure. Okay. Woman is branded despicable after posing for sexy Instagram photos at her father's funeral in front of his open casket and then posting them with the hashtag dadless. Uh, what? <laughs> um, that, he, he was a veteran. That's great. He was a veteran as well. I, I just didn't think you could make the word dadless sexy. Mm. You know? <laughs> like, you know, it sounds like bottomless. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> so does that does that mean now all the all the suitors now don't have to worry about 
you know, the the surly father, like the shotgun father. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Uh no, look, it's there's a there's a proud tradition of inappropriate um, you know, sort of influencer selfies going on. Mm. Uh, but um was it are we to led to believe it was a popular post or, or not, not really? Oh, well, I mean, it has now obviously gone viral because she's um, a teeny woman and um, her dad, who's partially visible in the background, is draped in an American flag. It's pretty rock and roll though, isn't it? Like it's, 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 I mean, you know. She's even doing one where she's sticking, sticking her booty out and you can see her dad's dead arms. You can't see his head because her booty's there. Yeah, well. I mean, you know, I don't want to psychoanalyze, but uh, I, I suspect she might have um, daddy issues. She's got a few issues, I'd and, say. Like, let's face it, she's probably like crazy. Like, we can't say that, Emma. I know you can't say people are crazy, but she's crazy. Yeah, you she's get that. I don't think. Yeah, no, you're very correct. You're not allowed to say no. Uh, I crazy know. anymore. Okay, no, but put it in the terms. Okay, if you had a friend and they were yeah. dating her. What would you say privately? Would you say, oh, I, I think she's a bit loose? Or would you say, she's crazy? I think I'm so bored by people now. Uh, I I would say um, I'm enjoying everything that she's about. Yeah, well, I, think, I think she's <laughs> off her head and good for her. Yeah, fair enough. All I want to know is, does she have an OnlyFans? She probably does. I'll dig it up for you. It should be called Dadless as well. <laughs> like that would be, and that could have been the first post, you know? Mm. Yeah. It so she the the hashtags are hashtag dadless, hashtag veteran, hashtag PTSD, hashtag funeral, hashtag never forgotten. So yep, there you go. Respectful. All right, guys, here we go. Caitlin Jenner says Dave Chappelle is a hundred percent right to face down angry transgender mob over his new Netflix special and says backlash against him is woke cancel culture run amok trying to silence free speech. Um, by the way, DM your non-use of commas or full stops is an absolute disgrace. This is <laughs> like I had to insert breaths just then. Right. It's really just a listing of tags. <laughs> it? yeah. for search Jenna. engine optimization alex alex hammer <laughs> alex hammer <laughs> for dailymail.com for frig's sake all right well that's a great story i agree with all of that i do yeah i, I who would have thought that caitlin jenner would be someone who uh is a bit of a champion in this sphere you know well i suspect I, i'm i don't didn't uh sheila you you watched a bit of a bit of the show maybe when it first started or something right? yeah yeah, yeah i did uh, and, ha, and has uh caitlin's politics changed or um i don't think so but caitlin has i mean and even when caitlin was bruce always seemed like a very level-headed individual. Sure. You know, like um, I know she's a bit sort of maybe Trump crazy these days, but, you know, she she always seemed quite even-tempered, even you know, even when there was fucking fuckery going on around her that, you know, she's always sort of kept her, you know, an even keel, I, I thought. Mm. Well, I think she's, yeah, so, she's certainly um taking some bold positions now but uh, yeah I, I i think that's great like you know and it, and 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 she's she's a real thorn in the side for um people on the hard left you know mm, because yeah. they because she won't conform and fall in 
where she's supposed to. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, look, I've got one last one for you and then I'm off. Lesbians feel pressured into having sex with trans women (laughs) over. She's trolling us today. This is trolling what you're doing. Shut up. I came in for the news. This is trolling. Shut up. Go on. Over fears of being branded transphobic while those who refuse face death threats claim activists. It's true. It's happening. It is true. Yeah. It's true. Well, look, you know, I mean, I'm just me um I, i'm a nobody but my advice to everyone in in this sphere would be peeps everyone you know everyone's getting rejected for sex i've been rejected for sex more times than you've had hot breakfast it's not exclusive to you you don't need to send death threats to the people who are rejecting you for sex it's just they don't want to have sex with you okay it's not a you know we're all it's not exclusive to you we're all getting rejected for sex but i just never thought we'd live in an era when lesbians you know a minority group are are persecuted because they don't want to um accept a a a member you know into them like that, <laughs> if I can put it, I can I'm, put ma- it. I'm married. I don't want to either. You know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sorry, Glenn. Sorry, yes, well, but seriously, I mean, it's hilarious though. I isn't never, it? yeah, yeah. And well, the you argument, know, just, you know, you go. No, no. I think you're going to say something worse, so you go. <laughs> well, the old thing used to be, you know, uh, old old balls guys would, would look at les- lesbians and go, oh, they just need a good shag, mm, you know. Mm, it mm. is kind of what's happening now. They just need they just need a really good right-rogering from a guy with a big cock, you know. No, from a powerful, a beautiful trans woman. And with a big okay. cock. Well, st- yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in your words... I'm not focusing on how big it is. But I've been in a lesbian relationship and we it's <laughs> sorry, I'm just gonna bring <laughs> no, no, I want you, you know, you don't um you can just like go down on each other, you know, like if you you don't have to have um, you know, the the dick involved. No, no, that I Do know you? what you're saying. No, you're being you're being quite ja- charitable and generous, but the argument from you know, lesbians and gay men have had the same uh, charges thrown at them. Their argument is, well, from the gay man's perspective, they say, look, you know, despite what you may think, I'm actually attracted to male bodies. You know, yes, genitals, but male bodies. It's like the whole the whole thing because, you know, there are, there, if, if you've been through puberty and you, you know, you, you were a biological male or sorry, a biological female or something, yes. then you're going to have that, you know, you're going to have leftovers no matter how hard, people tried you're going to have uh signs you know that you were a uh a, a female at some point you know what i mean and um yeah. a gay man might is may not be into that now look sometimes the work might be fantastic you know you know but uh the, the, it's just i just think this is a fascinating uh sort of chinese finger trap <laughs> mm. oh okay well yeah. i thought um i thought it would set you guys off it like did. a Box of frogs. It did. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> a box of frogs with chilies in it. 
<laughs> All right. Hey, okay, b- well, b- before you go, before you go, we've got a hippo update, don't we? The the, the cocaine hippos. <laughs> yes, but I'm not doing it because you took the piss out of the way I said female hippo last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I did too. <laughs> if, you, if you think I don't listen to that bloody show, I know that you took the piss out of my accent. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So you can update it. <laughs> I'll update you i'll update everyone out there the cocaine hippos are safe they've been um they've been deemed uh what physical people or something like they they're citizens now real Real persons persons. that's it they're real persons now actual sorry actual persons yes okay okay so So they're protected i think everyone knows that even there though they are environmental vandals Mm. that they're bringing a lot of cash to the area like like escobar himself uh, their dad you know they're just honoring their dad they're bringing cash to the area Community leader. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> thanks, you. Thanks for the news. Okay. See you. See you next time. If you enjoy what we do here on the New Flesh podcast, there are a number of ways you can contribute to the success of the show. Consider supporting us financially by becoming a Patreon member and donating monthly or yearly. Alternatively, you can donate money through the Buy Me A Coffee platform. If you're strapped for cash at this point in time, there are a number of other ways to support the New Flesh. You can give us a rating or review through Apple Podcasts. These help others to find our show and help spread the word. Or you can tell your friends about us. Don't underestimate the power of a podcast recommendation. And now, back to the show. All right, John, I'm going to pass the baton to you now. I think you've got uh, you've got something you want to talk about. You want, you've got something you want to get off your chest. <laughs> I do. Okay, so... I've been listening to a podcast that I've been putting everyone onto. Uh, it's called Nolan Investigates Stonewall. It's a 10-part podcast. It's fantastic. Um, it's by uh, a radio presenter called Stephen Nolan from Ireland. Uh, he's an award-winning host on BBC Radio Ulster. Uh, he's dogged. Um, he's also uh, quite highly paid. I looked up. I think he's getting 400 pounds a year. for, um, for 400,000 pounds. Yes, 400,000, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, 400,000 pounds a year for his radio and TV work. So anyway, the, here's the Cliff's Notes. So podca- the podcast is about Stonewall. So what's Stonewall? Stonewall is a famous gay rights lobby group uh, that has charity status. Uh, its purpose is LGBT rights. I think they're probably going to try and change that to add a few of the other letters, but for the moment it is just LGBT rights. Uh, it was formulated in 1989. I think they're having a sort of a 32-year anniversary this year. Uh, so they are now all in on the trans uh, and um, sort of gender ideology, uh, you know, stuff. Uh, but their main, they have achieved quite a bit as a lobby group. Like they were there presumably for... Uh, you know, same-sex, what used to be called same-sex marriage. Uh, don't even think you can probably call it that now. It's probably banned. Uh, so, uh, you know, same-sex marriage, uh, you know, getting um, gay people in the military and, uh, you know, changing conditions in the workplace, discrimination, all of that stuff, okay? Um, so the the, the podcast uh, is an investigation into um, uh, this lobby group. Uh, uh, also consider themselves world experts on LGBT matters and corporate. Now they're also corporate trainers. So they offer like sort of training and advice, you know, to, and to a lot of different places, I'm pretty sure universities, the police, 
BBC, Ofcom, which is a, a, a television regulator in the BBC, uh, sorry, in the UK. So in short, Stephen Nolan, this this uh, reporter and his his producers and editors, they his team, they discover through a lot of digging that Stonewall, this lobby group, offers a kind of league table or sort of a leaderboard of LGBT-friendly companies. So the idea is that if you've got good conditions and good policies for LGBT people, then you can go up this uh, ranking, you know, move up in the ranking. Now, there's also a bit of a a carrot, you know, you can move up the ranking potentially if you join the diversity champions scheme. This is is a scheme in which Stonewall offers advice and training for an annual fee. So they're accepting money, you know what I mean? So they're not just like standing idly by, Uh, you know, you give them money and uh, then they can offer you training and advice. Stonewall is also uh, revealed to be a very powerful uh, lobby group but also a shrewd corporate training machine uh, with a total corner on this market when you think about it. Mm. This might be fine uh, for private businesses, perhaps if you're a private business uh, and you want to engage a particular lobby group to do stuff for you. I can't see there being much of a problem with that. But the problem that these guys have discovered is that the BBC and Ofcom and public institutions and whatnot they really should be aiming for a level of, of well, transparency. Uh, um, you know, uh, they're not allowed. They're not allowed to be seen to be giving a favour uh, to any particular group, a particular a lobby group, because there are lobby groups for everything out there. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like if if you've got a business and they throw everything, like if if, if the BBC suddenly, um, you know, put all their uh, you know, we're taking advice and, you know, giving money to uh, a Zionist uh, lobby group, well, that would be seen to be a problem, wouldn't it? Because wouldn't the wouldn't people say, wait a minute, wait a minute, like, you know, the issues in the Middle East are, or sorry, in, in Israel are, are sort of uh, contentious and you can't be seen to be throwing everything, you, you know, your weight and mm. uh, uh, whatever behind one particular group. So there's the conflict of interest in a lone lobby group sort of self-appointing themselves as world experts and demanding everyone consult with them about LGBT uh, issues, and then uh, publishing a list of good companies and accepting money from businesses looking to work their way up the rankings. So, uh, as I've said, some of their positions are contested and uh, are actually being debated right, but right now. This is not settled stuff. So, about uh, five years ago, Stonewall threw their weight behind gender, uh, the new gender ideology and self-identification, the idea that you can just say you are... Uh, a woman uh, or a man and do whatever and also they you know are bought into all of those uh, you know that entire rainbow of of gender gender pronouns and all that stuff mm. uh, they also believe that this this sort of gender uh, self-identification trumps biological sex uh, sex at, at all points um, so they uh, you know have endor- I'm sure endorsed the entire spectrum of gender and you know in have uh, in, uh, most likely gotten the BBC to use the genderbred man, which is this sort of teaching tool for children to indoctrinate. I mean, teach them uh, about uh, all the uh, uh, gen- different genders out there. <laughs> and um, But they've also driven many gay and lesbian people, uh, old-fashioned gay and lesbian people, many of those people who actually were there at the beginnings of, of this particular organisation, out of the organisation. And famously, they, rev- they refused to debate. So they will not debate uh, with, with on these issues, and they've they've, they've written about that, which I find to be 
absolutely fascinating that they will not engage or debate uh, about that. This is such an important issue of our time that people do really need to come out and speak about it. Have public bodies across the UK been captured by Stonewall? Stonewall was founded 30 years ago to campaign for gay and lesbian rights. The Scottish Government, they have removed mother from their maternity policy after Stonewall asked them to. I don't think it's appropriate that any government agency has a relationship with a very militant one-sided campaigning group. And even the people who do the census, how much have they been persuaded by Stonewall? It's the ONS and the leader of the ONS that ends up having egg on their face. Stonewall are nowhere to be seen. The decision to join the Stonewall scheme was taken before the new Director General, Tim Davey, arrived at the BBC. And he has warned impartiality will be, must be, at the core of what the BBC does. My role as the Director General is to absolutely make sure that the BBC's impartiality is first and foremost protected. Stonewall, a lobby group. They're doing nothing wrong, they lobby. But did any of these big organisations really dig deep and question Stonewall's advice? Even Parliament, they signed up to Stonewall's league table. Should they have done? Here's the former speaker, John Burko. This year, Stonewall has announced that we have achieved a place in its index of the top 100 LGBT-friendly employers. And this league table, created, judged and scored by Stonewall? Should public bodies have got themselves into the situation where they're totally endorsing its credibility by publicly wanting to climb up it? Translation Ricky, what do, you, what, do you, what do you think of all this? Well, first of all, the, the podcast is fascinating. Uh, they've done a really good job. They've done a lot of research. They've been digging around. I don't know how long it's taken them to, to get it together, but it, it sounds like they've been working on uh, uncovering some of this stuff for some time. And um, yeah, I've, n- I've never really listened to any Northern Irish radio, but these guys—they're they're funny. They're you know, but they're also very good at what they do. Um, I think uh, there's, there are a number of issues with Stonewall, like. Um, the fact that they've pivoted to to gender rather than sex based rights uh, is, is is a problem. Um, what's what's happened here is that if you accept that there's no such thing as sex, but only self identifying gender, then same sex attracted people are essentially erased. You know, so they've kind of uh, deleted their core constituency, which sort of set it up and and were fighting for gay rights in the beginning because. That was more about uh, about sex and same sex attractiveness, and they're moving it now to gender, which is still such a contentious issue, you know. And I, I think it's interesting, you know. Back, I think it was in um, 2013, uh, the Coalition Party in the UK they passed the Gay Marriage Act, uh, which basically put the nail in the coffin uh, of. Um, of this whole issue, like the battle for gay rights was essentially won. You know, I mean, gay people get married. Married now, they're they're recognised in law. Like they've got all the right, all the same sort of rights as as straight couples. So that sort of you know closes the book on that chapter. But then when you've got a big organisation like Stonewall that you know employs people, and you know there are there are lots of people there that are passionate about being someone that's fighting for 
you know, equality and for, uh, you know, noble causes, like what are they going to do next? Where are they going to go? And, and you, you know, obviously that's, that's got them pivoting towards transgender stuff, but so that's one issue. Um, but the other one is, yeah, they're full inf infiltration into government agencies where, uh, you know, places like the BBC consider them the experts, which is a bit strange because there's no, there's no real settled science to, to gender at all. So to say that there are experts, uh, is a bit, is a bit far, you know, to, to, to call them experts. And they essentially don't consult with any other sort of groups on their language and, and stuff like that. Such and as the OGB Alliance, for example. So, yeah, so you've got this this other organisation that is very young. I think it's only about a year old, maybe even six months old, that's been set up by, I think, a couple of, of uh, lesbian women set this up. And they're battling hard for uh, LGB rights and sex-based rights rather than transgender and they've got a whole bunch of you know issues that you know the issues that are floating around i mean we talk about them all the time you know trans trans athletes and and uh women only spaces and stuff like that you know uh you know born males being able to now go uh, you know if they're um criminals and 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 they're you know they're going to jail like like being able to be be housed in female prisons stuff like that so they're they're asking all those sorts of questions and yeah as you said stonewall don't debate any of anyone so you can't really you can't really battle these things out in in public really um but what uh, i just finished the podcast today actually and the last episode where they they uncover that the bbc have essentially redefined uh what it means to be gay and what it means to be lesbian based on uh, what Stonewall's telling them in terms of language and, and the way that they should be approaching that. Just one thing to point out why this is important and why this language is important to us as journalists. You know how tricky it is when we're doing these debates. And we've debated the very issue of whether or not it's transphobic for a gay person to not to want to date a trans person, for example. Well, if you go by the BBC Style Guide, that's closed off, that's decided. Homosexuality, according to the BBC, is about people who are attracted to people of the same gender. So that controversial debate is now summed up in the BBC style guide and they've made their position really clear. If a male, if a gay male in the BBC's wording now, that means they're attracted not to someone with male genitalia but to someone also who says I'm a man whether they have a vagina and breasts or not. This is really essentially what the whole trans issue is. It's, it's, it's about sex versus gender really, isn't it? It is. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a uh... You know, there's just there's just scores of um of gay and lesbian people who don't agree with that definition and who 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 um were quite were perfectly happy with uh, the way things were in that five minutes after they got equal rights and now when they're being asked to you know accept something they just can't get on board with. Yeah. So, just a little bit of context here. This is a great little excerpt from uh, Unheard, an essay by Johnny Best. It's uh, Stonewall's Greatest Betrayal. Um, uh, so here it is. But this good-natured debate yeah, is an excerpt. Is there's, is there's nothing compared to the division that has opened up in lesbian and gay communities following Stonewall's 2015 decision to reformulate homosexuality around the nebulous concept of gender identity. Its policy today, which it has promoted through its diversity champion scheme, is that biological sex is less important than self-declared gender identity. 
an inner feeling of being either man, woman, male, or female, which according to Stonewall is an identity we all possess. It follows that biological males can be lesbians, biological females can be gay men, to disagree is transphobic. Today, the no debate shield is starting to fail. This is largely down to all those women who refuse to concede that a man who claims to identify as a woman counts as a woman in exactly the same way as a biological female does. Stonewall's stance on gender identity and the public consultation on the GRA in 2018 created some powerfully angry grassroots women organisations such as Women's Place UK and Fair Play for Women. It also produced the LGB Alliance, founded by seasoned lesbian activists Kate Harris and Bev Jackson. This means that there are now two lobbying charities aiming to represent lesbian and gay people. Uh, Stonewall, which argues that the policies and principles of LGB Alliance prior to prioritising biological sex over gender identity are transphobic, and LGB Alliance, which argues that the policies and principles of Stonewall prioritising gender identity over biological sex are homophobic. Stonewall's at the centre of this toxic debate. So the idea is that um, this is contested. Now we have another, we've got another lobbying group. So, and if once they get charitable status, uh, why should the BBC not uh, consult with them? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And you know, I mean, it's awkward that that they've got completely opposing views there. Mm. And the BBC, at several points, has has been rubber stamping whatever Stonewall suggested about definitions yeah. or recommendations. Or and and why program. is that a problem? Why why is it a problem that the BBC would? Uh, would adopt policies and languages from a lobby group. Well, they're meant to be seen to be impartial. You know what I mean. And lobby groups are, as as Stephen Nolan has said, are perfectly fine to be able to lobby for what they want. I mean, like if you set up a group that says, "My name's Ricky. I love foot jobs, and I want everyone to just do foot jobs all the time." <laughs> it's just a hypothetical. I'm then, foot gender. Foot, yeah, well, whatever. It's your your kink. I mean, your way of life, whatever. So anyway, then you'd you'd say you can go out and lobby for that, and you can you, you can push as hard as you want. But when public institutions, you know, start uh, you know coming to you and saying, you know, getting advice and wanting to go up your your leaderboard and you know paying you for training and 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 there and there are some elements of your particular group that are more. Well, to be char- charitable, ra- they're quite radical. Like there are elements of Stonewall, particularly after that 2015 pivot, that are quite radical. Mm. That not every, that not well. To be honest, to be frank with you, not many people believe what they believe. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like this, and the, and which isn't to say that everyone is a bigot and a transphobe. Uh, most people, I, I think, would be like, yeah, just get on with it, like do 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 whatever, and we'll we'll do our best, but. The Stonewall are pushing really hard on some stuff that is that yeah has no scientific backing and that and and the BBC uh, you know they they have a, a big country to um, uh, service yes and, they do and you know very diverse and as they keep discovering they're quite out of touch with uh, the people in the UK <laughs> as they have discovered do you know what I mean Here's Benjamin Cohen from Pink News again. The identities that people give themselves and, and identify as, for example, two-spirit, right? I'm a 48-year-old man. I have no idea what two-spirit means. Is there any control over what these definitions mean? Like, what does two-spirit mean and who decides what is two-spirit and what isn't? And again, without me being, being facetious, could someone tomorrow say that they're being three-spirit? I understand your point. 
Um, I'm 10 years younger than you. Uh, and this is also difficult for, you know, I guess us older people sometimes to navigate because terminology does change. I first heard the, the term two-spirit when I was at an event with, the, with Canada's High Commissioner and the Canada's LGBT envoy. And it's a Canadian term. And it's actually uh, from the kind of Native American... Uh, it has Native American origins in Canada. So uh, it, it, it derives from there. But what does it mean? Uh, um, oh, God. Uh, you're gonna, you're, now you're testing me. Um, I, can't, I, can't, I probably couldn't give you the dictionary definition. But just can it. you give me a sense of what it means? So if someone comes to me and says, I'm too spirit, what does it actually mean? Uh, it's how they're describing themselves. But I will say to you, maybe I haven't given you a tough enough time in this interview, but the fact that the person at the very top of Pink News does not know <laughs> what, you know, two-spirit means, and I'm supposed to know, and society's supposed to expect it, is surely extraordinary. Well, this league, this league table's concerning because you've got, you basically set up a competition where different organisations are trying to climb up this leaderboard and be seen as the most virtuous and the most... Uh, most progressive and the, they've, they've built in this feedback loop where you know they stonewall will give uh, their feedback on on where they're at in terms of you know their progressiveness towards transgender issues and then suggests that you know they do this course or that course or will bring in some people to train you uh, at a price of course you know so uh, not only are they marking you on how you're going uh, on the lead leaderboard, they're also teaching you or, or, or providing courses at a, at a at a cost to you know help get you up there as well. And, so, and what are the chances that you'd ever go to them and they'd say, "Oh, you know what? We've checked it all out. You're pretty good. It's great. Nothing to see here. Nothing to report. Top marks. Like unlikely, right? Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, it's like when these government or like like when these football clubs or whatever they go, look, we've got, we've, we've discovered, you know got a racism problem maybe or like you know some racist stuff was said in the stands or whatever so we decided to to get an impartial group a third party to come in and check out our organization they're called they're called you're a mob of racists <laughs> group and yeah. um we, we we look forward to hearing um what the findings will be and then you go well i think i know what the findings will be i know yeah i don't need to and that's no besmirching you may very well have a problem but that doesn't matter i'm telling you right now this group this particular group is going to tell you they they in fact their their business relies on telling you that you're a bunch of racists yeah it's and and it's a whole industry now there's a whole industry built around this you know my my wife Fenger, at, at her work, they recently had a thing where an organisation had to come in and basically run these. Oh, and it was it went for so long as well. Like this, this one particular lecture was like four hours long, and it's all all about transgender stuff. And so basically, the organisation had to undergo this course and had to pass this course so that they could display this some sort of coveted symbol on their or beside their logo, and that they could. Could wear the badges that say, you know, I I support. Signal. Yeah, that, that exactly. So they could wear the badges and the, you know have all the stuff and put the signs up saying this is a safe space for trans people and everything. You know, it's like, and you know, the majority of people um, they don't have an issue with trans people. And you know, that if you you can do be whoever you want to be, like everyone's respectful. And you know, I'm sure there are a few cases here and there where you know, people are uh, openly transphobic or whatever, but 
I think on the whole, speak for yourself. <laughs> on the whole, do you need this big <laughs> money-making industry around this? You know, which which Stonewall, you know, I, you know, I know nothing about their finances, but I, I can assume four million that they, pounds. They're pretty cashed up. Yeah. yeah, they got cash. So I think the takeaway really is I want everyone to listen to it and spread this far and wide because. To me, the point isn't really LGBT radicals or even Stonewall. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think what Stonewall have done in the past sounds sounds glorious. And um, I want there to be better rights for LGBT people. I do. And I think we're going to come to a point where, a middle point, where everyone's happy at some point. Um, but I think this is this is striking because it 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 shows us how to approach the failures of institutions and to approach these matters robustly and transparently. And that's what, that's what um, these podcasters have tried to do. And it's really inspiring. So, you know, at no point do they entertain the idea of, cause you keep, you keep expecting them to be labeled or branded. Right. But at no point do they entertain that they just push on and say, no, we're going to robustly, and they hold everyone to account. There's some pejoratives yeah. used by someone at the LGB Alliance. And then, uh, Nolan pulls that guy into line and says, no, come on, play it straight. Don't use that kind of language. Like we're trying to give everyone a fair shake. And I thought that was really good. You've got to hold everyone to account. So they give us a template on how to ask tough questions, you know, not just the, the people who are annoying, like the ideologues at Pink News. Um, <laughs> I've got that in my notes to talk about Pink News. He's really tough to listen <laughs> to, that guy. Like, you know, sort of a toff uh, who works at Pink News and, uh, you know, but but the thing is, you know, obviously you want tough questions to be put to him and watch him squirm. But you know, it's really about putting question tough questions to even the people that you like, you know, yeah, and uh, or yeah. that you're and uh, maybe start with yourself first, you know. And uh, we joke around on the show a lot. And uh, but if you ever sat me down and like, you know, actually, I, I got to ask myself the tough questions and say, what do I really believe? You know, like, and why do I believe it? And where did I get that information? And am I asking myself tough enough questions? And am I ever, you know? going too far into ideology or whatever because um, that, that's the thing ideology is is in the way of truth and um you know i don't like to hear about the labor party um and their overreach in victoria that's uncomfortable do you know what i mean i like the labor party so it's more important that i scrutinize them do you know what mm, i mean yeah. so the only issue i've got with this is that St stephen nolan's rich you know what I mean? <laughs> okay so that's that he's rich and established now that is the only problem so i don't know how we're meant to apply this rigor if we don't have his situation you know what i mean it's a bit yeah. like Chappelle and Stephen nolan are doing the same thing right now they're really fighting a tough difficult battle but you know that they have the resources and the position to be able to do it so you know like venga for instance can't fight this fight you know that's she right, fired yeah. so yeah. You know, but I think possibly, I think there's going to have to be bodies. You know what I mean? I think the idea is that they can't shoot us all at once. But the fact is that some of us will definitely get shot. That's a fact. So some people, we are going to need to accept that people are going to get shot, you know, metaphorically speaking, and you're just going to have to step on their body and keep going. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, well, it's a great, great documentary. I'm going to put a link to it in our show notes. Uh, I hope you guys check it out. Next week, we've got Demons on Cyber Cinema on uh, Wednesday. And um, uh, I don't know. I don't think we've got anything later for this. <laughs> I have to talk about that <laughs> after. <laughs> don't worry. We'll find something. Yeah, There's find always something. something out there's there. There's always an outrage. There is. 
All right. Well, I, I suspect we said what we said. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. All right, moving on from the dicks quick. The Daily Kink. Oh, that would be my dream.